Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 29th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs Jets is the topic today. Sunday's game features the Super Bowl favorite, at least by Vegas lines, against the NFL's only winless team. The point spread, the Chiefs are favored by about 20, is one of the largest in NFL history. The A-team of Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, Sam Mellinger, and Sam McDowell are here to break it down. The game and other topics like Eric Bieniemy's next job, could it be the Jets? And Le'Veon Bell's prospects for a big game against his former team. Also, we cover frightening Halloween costume stories. Spoiler alert, there are one or two. You'll want to listen till the end. We went on for quite a while on Sportsbeat Live, which is now the podcast. So let's get going. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly visit to talk Chiefs with the writers who cover the team and with you guys, with your thoughts, questions, and comments. Please send them along and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Let us introduce the A team here today. Um, I'm going to start at the bottom because some people, once again, in the spirit of Halloween, while others, not so much. Bye, hey, Gregorian. How are you today? Causing trouble? Spidey will track you down. <laughs> Time to be a hero. Let's swing into action. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent, bye. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and then there's, then there's Sam McDowell and Sam Mellinger who couldn't be bothered to get into the spirit of Halloween, and that's fine. It's fine. No judgment here, none at all. And uh, and we're waiting on Herbie T.O.P. As, as we tend to do on the show. I'm sure he's screaming. Oh. <laughs> Can he Hello. even see and hear us? Hello, Herbie. He's going to start talking. There's no no sound. What is your major malfunction, Sam McDowell and Sam Mullinger? Why aren't you in uniform right now? Where is your mask? Uh, mask, up. mask up. I graduated head of my class in crime fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the exception of Blair and Vahe, you are a no-go at this station. Hey, and there's no shortage of masks laying around the house, so uh, you know <laughs> you, you could pretend to be a concerned citizen. But uh, uh, <laughs> but hey, we're here to talk Chiefs, and that's what we'll do. Um, as I remove, because it's really hot under here. Oh, yeah. it's just for show. <laughs> no commitment. <laughs> says says the guy without a mask. Hey, we all look the same now. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get started here. Uh, yeah, please send us your questions, comments, and, um, and and let us know what you're dressing up as for Halloween. We're going to get to that later in the show. We're going to have to we'll have some Halloween costume stories for you. But first, let's start where we usually do with uh, with the news and injuries. And Herbie, if you're there, um, there you are. Okay, so maybe you're just going to come in and out. Uh, let's let's break down the injuries. Who was uh, who did not practice on on Wednesday? Well, on Wednesday, the Chiefs were without wide receiver Sammy Watkins once again. Mitchell Schwartz 
did not practice. And then Armani Watts didn't practice. Schwartz is obviously dealing with the back injury. Watkins with the hamstring injury. Uh, Armani Watts was ill. As far as Taco Charlton, he was back at practice. But the Chiefs also had some pretty good news out there on, on the injury front. Defensive end, the rookie there, Mike Dana, was back to practice. He was designated as return to practice. So they're probably going to open up a window here where they're going to look to elevate him to the active roster. I'll tell you what, when I saw – can I, can I please get out of character? <laughs> oh, wait, you're in character? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a frightening – this is a frightening Halloween costume. <clears throat> this is more frightening than Freddy Krueger, Jason, etc. Come face-to-face -face with the knife hand, baby. Yeah, is this what you go as every single year? <laughs> I'm out of character now. Now I'm back to me. Hello, guys. <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, let's talk about the talk about the game this week. Um, uh, in terms of complacency, is certainly a word that uh, will be. Uh, I've heard a lot on the on the conference calls yesterday, and probably will hear the next couple of days as the Chiefs, uh, the six and one Chiefs, prepare for the zero and seven. New York Jets, and um, it's it's a well earned zero and seven record for the Jets. <laughs> they they they've had a couple of competitive games. Actually, played the Bills tough and led the Bills at halftime last week. And uh, and the Buffalo didn't score a touchdown and still ended up beating uh, beating the Jets. So uh, what, what, what's I, I listen. I believe Andy Reid when he when he talks about uh, you know the, the, when he throws out the cliches about this is the NFL and you know everybody's a threat and uh, and you got to take everybody seriously and he doesn't look at betting lines. I'm sure he knows what the betting lines are. But uh, but what do you think, Sam Ellinger? Is it, uh, do um, should we should we take those arguments seriously? Um, I mean, sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's something that he's going to say that he is saying to his guys, um, not just his players, but his coaches. And it's something that he believes on some level. But look at how look at how the Chiefs look at how they played against the Ravens. And I don't just mean like execution and energy and all that, but look how they coached against the Ravens. And then and then compare that to, you know, some other games like last week against Denver. Look how they coached. You know, do, they're not throwing touchdown passes to Eric Fisher this weekend against the Jets. They're not doing these like wild screens that they were doing, uh, you know, uh, against the Ravens. They're not going to do that this week. Like I, I really believe that they are looking at this team and they should like the last, what, two, three years, they, they have been doing this and should be doing this of January is what matters. We know that we're going to make the playoffs. There's a hundred percent lock, you know, that, that is a dead lock that they're going to be in the playoffs. So let's get as good as we can once we're there. And then part of that is right now their execution hasn't been all that great, especially on offense. So let's work on that. I, I don't think we're going to see anything, uh, you know, no, no razzle, no dazzle, anything like that this weekend. They'll, they'll take the game seriously, but you know, I don't think they're worried about losing. Right. What do you think, Vahe? If I can toss on the board. Yeah, go ahead, Herbie. There's a reason why you never take a team lightly. If, if you guys remember way back in 2011, Right after the Chiefs fired Todd Haley and you had Romeo Cornell as the interim coach, you had the big, bad Packers coming into town. They were undefeated at the time. What were they? I think they were. 13, I think. And I mean, they were undefeated. They had a, obviously, they were heavily favored 
Lo and behold, the Chiefs rallied behind Romeo Cornell and beat them 19 to 14. So you can't take any NFL teams lightly in today's game. Yeah. Beat the Packers and set the franchise back a couple of years. <laughs> but you know, if they don't beat the Packers that day, maybe Andy Reid doesn't eventually come to Kansas City. That's right. That's right. They needed it. <laughs> hey, uh, no, I just say, uh, I'm, I'm, despite what Sam says, I'm looking forward to Travis Kelsey throwing a touchdown pass to Eric Fisher on the first play <laughs> of the game. Um, no, but I think, I think, I think you're right. And, and, but look, I do think you can, um, th- this will sound like sports psychology stuff, but you know, you, you appeal, I think to the being, I think the term would be intrinsically motivated, right? You just, you're, you're working on yourself and you play your best. You, you try to be sharp. You can get something out of this game. If you look at it that way, it's obviously human nature to sag a little. Um, but I think, you know, they, they, they probably would tell themselves they sagged a little against the Raiders and lost. And the, 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 the Raiders are far more competent, obviously, than the Jets. But, but I think the point is the same. It's about how you play. And I, you know I've been listening to way too many coaches this week. I listened to Coach Drinkwitz and Coach Reed, and there was a little bit of coaching in Patrick and Travis Kelsey yesterday on these things. But I do believe that's true. It's how you play. Uh, Peter Gradhoff writes, uh, I love the Canadian Mountie costume Herbie is wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Getting the look. Uh That won't be forgotten look. (laughs) Might be a conversation later between uh, uh, Herbie Teopi and uh, what was his name? (laughs) Peter Gradhoff. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) Herbie is not a man of humor. (laughs) He is of ill humor right now. So, uh, <laughs> okay, I, I agree with you guys. I um, uh, look, you, you might see kind of meat and potatoes approach uh, by the Chiefs. I the last time Travis Kelsey threw a pass, it was against a New York team. It was uh, it was against the Giants in MetLife Stadium uh, a couple of years, a few years ago, and that was in the Chiefs were sort of in a desperation mode then. They were in the throes of that what, five of six or whatever it was, the, the mid-season swoon that, uh, that they found themselves in. But, um, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's change topics and look back quickly at Denver, uh, the 43, uh, what was it, 43-16-ish, whatever it was, uh, blowout win. To me, one of the, the storylines that comes out of this game is the continued superb play, albeit um, infrequent play, of Byron Pringle. Uh, the wide receiver and Sam McDowell. I wanted to ask you: Is you know wh- what else does Byron Pringle have to do to see more snaps or to get more touches? Or are the Chiefs using him exactly the way he needs to be used? Probably, I would say, be on a team with with fewer weapons <laughs> is probably his best his best way to get on the field more. Um, I, I, I to, to add on to Vahe's point and your point about Travis Kelsey throwing a pass, I, I think this game on Sunday, like Travis Kelsey could throw all the passes, and I, I still think I'd slightly favor the Chiefs. Um, but Byron Pringle, to me, does – you know, if there's a guy he can, he can probably eat into his snaps, it's Demarcus Robinson, and he did a little bit last week when you look at the snap counts, and Herbie wrote about the snap counts. Um but he's a good blocker, too, when you look at the film. And and that's why Demarcus Robinson's on the field a lot is because he's an excellent blocker. I don't think you lose a whole lot there when Byron Pringle's on the field. He gives a lot of effort in that area. So um, I, I'd expect his snaps to increase a little bit as long as Sammy Watkins is out. 
and we don't I, I for, for me that that's probably another story and, and maybe better to ask Herbie. I, I'd keep Watkins and, and Schwartz and those guys out till past the bye because like Sam said you're playing for January at this point. So I know Watkins has a minor hamstring injury. It's not serious enough to put on IR. I still think I'd protect that longer. And one of the reasons is because of the guy you mentioned, because Byron Pringle is playing the way he is. I think it maybe mitigates the the, the need to have Sammy Watkins rush back to, to the lineup. Yeah, and Pringle last week totaled 31 snaps. The week before that, 28. So his, his playing time has obviously increased with Sammy Watkins. Although we didn't get a target last week, uh, you know, he's clearly making the most of his playing time wherever they use him, offense, special teams. But, you know, Sam nails it there. It, his ability to be a downfield blocker is, is tremendous because that is almost the role you expect Demarcus Robinson to play. I have a question about those two guys head-to-head. I mean, we, we've obviously seen some moments with Demarcus Robinson. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, you know, maybe sometimes few and far between, but where he was really – Really explosive. Some of those plays against Oakland, then Oakland last year, really were like, "Wow, how can they not find room for this guy?" But um, we've also seen him be very inconsistent, and that that's a problem. Um, but I'm just curious, who wins a foot race between those two? I've always thought Demarcus was faster, but seeing Pringle bust loose on that uh, kickoff return the other day is it, is it much closer than I realized between them? When in doubt, bet on the K-Stater. That, that's what I would do. Pringle ran – I just looked this up. Pringle ran a 4-4-6 um, at the Combine. So, whatever that's yeah. worth. And what's DeMarcus? That little – Let me tell you. <laughs> while you're on your little little internet. Yeah. It was, uh, was in the 4-5s, I think. 4-5-9. Uh, How about that? But I really like, like – Pringle's got – He's obviously like a terrific special teams guy, and um, not just with the kick return, but down in the punt. And we've seen that kind of stuff like on on coverage teams. Uh, we've seen him be one of the best that they've got. Uh, but he's a really good route runner too. I mean, he, he's precise. He's smart. He he gets leverage. All those things. Like um, I, I just, I mean, I I don't know if this is just. It, it seems like too surface. The coaches obviously know a hell of a lot more than we do. They see more. All that stuff. Uh, but it's it's hard to understand why he doesn't get more snaps. I, I really think that um, he, he's productive when he gets chances. He's smart. Um, you know, he, he's going to take care of his quarterback when he's running those routes. I just think he, he brings a lot of pluses. One thing I do, I, I like the idea of a guy with an offensive skill set on special teams uh, like that. Yeah. For, for downing punts, for, you know, just having the – the cord, the, the hand-eye coordination to do the things that Byron Pringle's been able to do, and I, I loved his comment uh, earlier after the game about how he was really disappointed in the Super Bowl last year. He didn't, he had an opportunity to down a punt and didn't do it, and he still thinks about that. So uh, he absolutely brings a great mindset and skill set to to the Chiefs. And when we talk about when we measure the Chiefs against other teams, uh, when we're trying to size them up against some of the better teams in in the NFL. Players to me, like Byron Pringle, are what keeps the Chiefs out of ahead of others. They don't have mm-hmm. a guy like that, you know, a number five receiver who's his talent, you know, has his talent and skill set. So yeah, we, we've seen Chiefs teams in the past where they'd be pushing Byron Pringle as the one or the two, and to, to have him down that far on the depth chart is, is a pretty strong statement. Yeah, here's something else to consider because you, don't forget Demarcus Robinson tested the free agency market over uh, this past offseason before deciding to come back here. 
The Chiefs now have the luxury with Pringle, knowing what he can do, and you know you have McCole Hardman for an additional two years. Maybe you don't need to bring Demarcus Robinson back to Kansas City on a long-term deal if you're comfortable with Pringle and Hardman. Yeah. Yeah, it's a smart point. Sam, you just reminded me of this. What what season was it? Andy's second season, 2015, or maybe it was – I guess it was 2015 when they did not have a wide receiver score a touchdown all yeah, season. My, my favorite moment of that season was when uh, Dwayne Bowe did score a touchdown. You remember that? And it got called back on a penalty. <laughs> he got, I think he celebrated and everything. <laughs> Chiefs have been known to celebrate touchdowns that didn't count. Uh, <laughs> hey, and we mentioned uh, Travis Kelsey earlier about how we, um, uh, we we probably wouldn't see him throw a pass this week, but we've seen him do a little bit of everything else, and we got to hear him talk about that yesterday. Vahe, you wrote about it. I I was pretty impressed by what I heard from Travis, and it's the it's kind of the annual Travis Kelsey story. He's, you know, he's maturing. He's uh, you know, <laughs> older, wiser Travis Kelsey. Um, I think we've been there for a couple of years, but it was, I, he expressed it in a kind of an animated way yesterday. He did. I, I thought he was really good yesterday. And look, you know, it is true. I, I, I was kind of looking up when the last time we had to go through the, uh, you know, he's finally growing up thing was. And I realized sort of the last time I really wrote about it was like three years ago. And, for the most part, and you guys can probably disabuse me of this if I'm if I've got it wrong, but about three years now since he's been gotten those ridiculous penalties or done that kind of stuff on the field, he's still pretty animated. Still, maybe you know, can get a little over the top. Obviously, um, he sometimes you know we it's a different media era, but he sometimes still is not uh, always on when he's when he's dealt with the media in the last year or so, but. Yesterday he was he was really good, and the thing that stuck out to me was, um, first of all, his great line about being a you know plumber or an electrician that was pretty funny. But but I I liked that he uh, he wanted to go back and explain his Twitter comment after the Raiders loss, and it, to me he was he was willing to step up and speak up about stuff we probably wouldn't have nobody would have known. Right. What 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 happened? I mean, he basically just told us something semi clear, but semi vague that you wouldn't have figured out. Right. He blamed himself for Mahomes interception and kind of said he was going off script, even in an offense that allows ad living. Um, so I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a kind of a statement, a kind of an affirmation of, of the, the distance he's come. And uh, so I, I, I thought it was I thought it was notable. I thought it was notable. And. My gosh, I, I almost uh, I started looking at the numbers yesterday. Not as not his career uh, reception numbers, but age numbers. And at first, I was like, "He's the second oldest guy on the team." <laughs> and then that's not quite right uh, because they got it, there's Henny, and then they brought in Kilgore, who's a year older. Then three or four guys who are also 31 but older by a couple months. But but he is one of the elder statesmen, and it seems like. Um, a long way removed from when when he was was uh, sort of the brash infant at times on this team. Right. Yeah. There's still that, got some of that brash in him, but like the last time that he acted, you know, uh, kind of like a jackass was um, when they played the Eagles at home. Do you remember that? And he kind of like flew like an eagle or whatever. Uh, that was well, three years ago. That's a long well, he, time ago. You know. And he had his brother on the other sideline. I'm sure he that was like. That was an audience of one that he was going after. <laughs> uh, you know, like the, he still got 
you know, he's not going to be a robot. You don't want him to be a robot. He still plays. Yeah. He's found that good balance, right? Like he, he's, he still plays with a lot of energy, personality, all those things. But um, I, I think that was three years. It's been three years since he's had any sort yeah. of sportsmanlike. Or well, he, he, he did push Eric Bieniemy yeah. on the sideline last year. Fair. Um, yeah, that's but, true. Yeah. I, I will say what stood out to me about that press conference was the last thing you said, by because how often, first of all, do we, do we do we hear a guy admit that? But also, it's a pretty big deal that during the middle or late in the game, he was going off script and running his own routes and not running the routes that were called. That's basically what he admitted to doing yesterday. And it cost Mahomes the interception because I guess he was supposed to be there is, is, is the way I interpreted that. Um, but it shows the frustration that the Chiefs were experiencing in that in that. I almost said Oakland, that that Vegas game in a new way, because we thought they were frustrated. They said they were frustrated. But to have a guy that was so frustrated by the fact that his quarterback didn't have many outs in that game, and part of the reason was his offensive line, that he actually started running different routes because he thought they would be more open than the ones that were called. I mean, that's something. And especially for him to admit that to us when that happened three weeks ago and none of us knew it, because how would we know what the route was called on film? Yeah. You know, the the, uh, the term that comes to mind, it, it, it always kind of made me laugh, but you sort of also understand it. Coaches like to use the term um, controlled reckless abandon. And and I think that's been a little bit – Travis has still had that, you know, spark or however you described it a minute ago, Sam Mellinger. Like, he's still – there's that that persona, that bravado, but it's, it's, a little, it's a little contained, right? I mean, it's not – he's not throwing the flag. He's not – Calling the the ref a, a zebra who shouldn't work in, even in Foot Locker, um, at least at least not publicly. So um, a, anyway, I think he's kind of found that right that right balance a little bit. But you're right. He, I mean, he was squawking with EB again too. So there's always a little bit of uh, uh, stuff on the line there with him. Yeah, and I, I think also importantly, uh, he remains so damn talented that you will you'll you'll, you'll <laughs> let him do some stuff that maybe you wouldn't let other people do. I, I also think, um, you know, that the issues he's had don't derive from a sense of selfishness, which is important. You know, yeah. last last year with that that tiff with with enemy, he was frustrated at the way the game was going. And he's not frustrated that he's not getting the ball enough or something right. like that. That would be a completely different issue. That's a good point. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Kyle Coffey asks, and we need to get to this, um, is it, do we think that uh, Le'Veon Bell gets majority of running back snaps this week? <laughs> uh Interesting game for Le'Veon Bell, who uh, two weeks ago was a New York Jet. I, I don't know if the Chiefs use him any differently. Andy Reid again was asked about does um, you know does a player get extra motivation when he faces his old team, especially this close to you know the the tra- the transaction. 
I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is is this going to be a you know 120 yard game rushing game for for Le'Veon Bell? I think it would be out of character. Go ahead, Irving. I don't think the Chiefs are going to deviate what they do best just to feed Le'Veon Bell. That 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 goes away completely from the team concept. Are there some players who get up for playing their former team? They'll downplay it, of course, but deep down inside, absolutely. I go back to, and I'm sorry, Melly, you're going to laugh at this. I'm going to go back to the time I was in New Orleans. No way. (laughs) When they signed Adrian Peterson, and the first game for the Saints that year was against the Minnesota Vikings. At least he admitted he was up to play against them, and then that's the reason why towards the end of that game you saw Peterson and Sean Payton have a little spat on the sideline because when the Saints were at the one-yard line, they gave the ball to Mark Ingram instead of Peterson. So, yes, I, I do believe some players do get – pumped up to play their former team. But, you know, the coaches and, and everyone else, they'll downplay it. But it's there. I think it's it's absolutely real. I I would tend to think that along the lines of what you said, Herbie, I mean, it, it'd be out of character for Andy to sort of foster that, right, especially as he's trying to get um, Le'Veon kind of into their, into their culture. Uh, at the same time, I don't think Andy would – would uh, fail to acknowledge that this might be a little different kind of game for Le'Veon. Um, and Sam McDowell explored this today. And, and, and it, it's interesting, Sam, at how, how uh, little anybody really wanted to talk about, about it, right? Gase wasn't going to talk about it much. I don't think we're going to get a, a Le'Veon Bell availability this week, um, which speaks a little bit to how the Chiefs are viewing uh, whether they want to uh, let this become the theme of the week too. I do think like um, Andy, I feel like has a subtle kind of thing where he, he, he kind of knows the score outside the score, if you know what I mean. And I, I think he's not going to give Le'Veon Bell 30 carries or something like that. But um, if there's a first and goal at the one, I would not be surprised at all <laughs> if they give him the ball. And, and if, he, if he scores a touchdown, I am dying to see that celebration because that, that <laughs> there will be something there. You know I what might make sense? You know what might make sense is in um, this game could be a, a blowout by halftime, and it wouldn't just make sense to give Le'Veon Bell carries in the second half for the sake of giving him carries against the Jets, but also um, for the sake of getting him more ingrained in the offense, getting him better chemistry in the offense. I think the second okay. half on Sunday could be an opportunity for that. You know, we saw there was one play against uh, the Broncos where um, – and, and Mahomes even mentioned it, that he was going to throw the swing pass – but but Bell didn't have his head turned around in time. That's stuff that you you learn best in games. Like that stuff's not going to come to you in practice because the speed of the game is so different. You're not going to be blitzed in such a manner where that play is ever going to happen. You only learn that stuff in games. So to to me, the best way to get Le'Veon Bell up to speed is to play him more. And I think the second half on Sunday could present an opportunity there. Yeah, I I do like the idea of a sort of bizarro Andy who who does things like uh, creates a a specific play for Levy on the score. And I was joking about this on Twitter the other day, something like jet chip on shoulder, yeah. bell ringer, you know, <laughs> yeah. just that's absolutely like, we're going to let him score and, and blow off some steam. Um, but I, I, I don't think I quite see Andy doing that, but I absolutely love the idea that he might be the uh, third and goal guy um, in, in a specific situation. Here's something else to consider. Okay, remember before Le'Veon signed with Kansas City, there were two other teams that were in the running for him, the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, two AFC East rivals to the Jets. So clearly 
he had the Jets on his mind, and he just picked the Chiefs because the Chiefs played him first. But, you know, he also wants a ring, and the best place to, to have the chance to get the ring out of those three teams is Kansas City. So the Jets were on his mind. Okay, let's uh, let's kind of keep it on uh, a quasi-Jets topic, and I'll ask you guys, is Sunday's game anything of a head coaching audition for Eric Bieniemy? Uh, because the Jets aren't keeping Adam Gase. Uh, unless a miracle happens uh, and they they win out, that ain't happening. Uh, and, <laughs> and it, it, it just seems like uh, that we know that at least all the talk among uh, in the NFL seems to be Eric Bieniemy's going to be the first guy out uh, for to become a head coach next year. Jets would seem to be um, a a landing spot for him. There's a lot going on here. Uh, the number one draft pick could would land to the Jets. That would be Trevor Lawrence, which means the end of Sam Darnold. Um, I don't know. Would, it, would, the, would the Jets be a good place for Eric Bannemi to start his head coaching career? I'll throw it open to anybody. Well, I, I actually have a somewhat strong feeling about this is that um, he can make his own decision. Like, right, he's, he's a grown man. He's a smart man, all that stuff. But um, – I think he's got to be careful about where he goes and the structure that's going to be around him. And, and most specifically what I mean is he's got, whatever it's Burgundy or, or he's got to have some personnel guy that he wants to work with. Um, it's what he knows, right. With Andy Reed and bringing in, you know, Dorsey and then Veach. Um, Cause if, if you go somewhere and they've, you know, the owner, has a GM in mind from somewhere else and you don't have a relationship with him, I think that can turn into, into a disaster. But if he can go somewhere and say like, hey, this is a guy I have a relationship with, I trust, he's good, he'll handle the personnel, I'll do the coaching, then that's the place to go. So I, I just don't know what that structure would be. If, if um, you know, is it Woody Johnson or whatever says, nope, I've got my personnel guy, then I think Eric Bieniemy says deuces and, and he goes to Houston or like wherever. Um, I, I, that's got to be the thing. And then after that, then, then you say, would you rather do Trevor Lawrence or would you rather have Deshaun Watson, who's already set, you know, albeit at a, at a higher price, that kind of thing. How much do you guys think that um, the market? It, it, let's just say all things being equal on 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 three teams. How much do you think the market matters? Like where you are, the, the, if you're in the, the culture of New York or or the culture of Houston. In the NFL, probably less than any other sport. I would. I just think the NFL is so global and especially so national that everybody's a national team. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I think if we're, we're looking at teams, here we are in week eight of the NFL season, and there's more than two months remaining. So we don't know the jobs that are going to come open, but we think, besides the Jets, the Falcons are already open, right? They're they're using, they have an interim coach. If the Cowboys continue to play the way they're playing, that that could be a one-stop you know deal for McCartney and um, and, and who am I missing? Uh, Texans uh, again. So those are. Let's just take. Let's just look at those: Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, New York Jets. It, I, I agree with Sam. I, I think I think front office personnel culture. Kind of eliminates Dallas as well for me. Hundred percent, yes, absolutely, a million percent. That's that's kind of what I have in mind when I say that. And you know, Jerry Jones is not going to back away from personnel. But if if you can go in and I, I hope Eric Bieniemy wouldn't try to do the Bill O'Brien, you know, head coach GM thing. I would I would assume that him and Andy Reid have had conversations about how that went for Andy um, at the end in Philly. So it just seems from from the outside, 
looking in, it seems like Houston and the Jets would be better spots than the Falcons, just because, you know, that that's the ultimate decision. Your, your quarterback is either going to be this established freaking star who, who can make magic, or, you know, you start from scratch and, and draft your guy one, uh, one. Um, it seems like that would be the choice. I, you know, the Falcons, I don't know what they're going to, you know, they got some skill position guys, uh, but they, they got a lot of problems too. It seems like those would be the two and, and you can make a good case for either one Houston or the Jets. I think Houston is a, an ideal spot for him. And then also like Sam Melly was saying earlier, it's going to depend on what the enemy wants. Of course, we're all under the, we're all over here projecting that he is going to be gone next year. Uh, but it's going to depend on what he wants. Do you want a reclamation project like the Jets? You're going to have to really blow that up and start all over again. And the same thing in Atlanta. You know, Matt Ryan is not getting any younger. Julio Jones isn't getting any younger. So you probably have to do a lot of things down there. Houston, to me, would be ideal for him simply because of Deshaun Watson. The other thing is, does the enemy want to be closer to home? Because he is from New Orleans. And New Orleans is only five hours from Houston. So, I mean, does he want to be closer to family, et cetera? I just think Houston is the better spot. Uh, Larry Looper could, uh, corrects me. It is Mike McCarthy at um, uh, at, at Dallas, uh, not McCartney, the, the old uh, uh, Buff- uh, Colorado Buffaloes coach. Uh, McCarthy, of course, the Baker University grad, uh, Mike McCarthy. So, all right, you guys, uh, let's do this. We're going to um, uh, we are going to ask Beth to introduce the next segment as we have done before because. This is uh, the show before Halloween, and this is where this segment uh, got its name uh, from a moment in time that a lot of us would like to forget, but now Neil Nakapoto has immortalized with this uh, clip. So, Beth, if you've got that, let's uh, let's roll it. Play the candy corn. Oh, my God. God. What? Can we be Yes, yes, it's time for the candy corn break where you um, we get to you get to know the members of the A team a little better. You get to know things like what their favorite Halloween candy is. I happened to be in Target yesterday walking down the aisle and there were uh, bags of candy corn sitting on a shelf. Bags and bags and bags of candy corn because nobody would buy them. <laughs> What? <laughs> so, uh, so today, uh, today's questions uh, twofold, right? We're going to—it's uh, Halloween related, and we're going to ask our guys if they have a Halloween costume story, either a, a favorite one that they had, or someone they knew, or what they uh, are dressing kids as this year. And then I'm going to ask them to pick a final score from uh, for for the game on on Sunday against the Jets and. Herbie, uh, since you are uh, responsible for the break and the graphic, let's uh, let's start with you. What did did young Herbie have a favorite costume uh, when he was a kid? Young Herbie did not have a favorite costume, but the older Herbie, uh, and and it goes back to what I was wearing earlier. Uh, I used to live on the Naval Air Station, which is a joint base in uh, Western New Orleans. Sorry, Melly. But while there, what I ended up doing was I used to put on my drill sergeant uniform. And on Halloween, when the, when the parents, because it's all military, they'd knock on the door and I open it, they would just like get, they'd get taken aback and have flashbacks. And 
I would make the kids do push-ups if they wanted to. Jeez. That's my favorite. <laughs> all right. Knock on the door. You have to do push-ups, and all you get is freaking candy corn. This is the worst Halloween house in the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna save that clip as well. Uh, uh, Vahe, uh, what uh, what say you on? Uh, is there a costume in your past that? Uh, there, there, there's a couple costumes in my past. Uh, I do believe my mom once kind of made me a, a, a Mighty Mouse costume. Um, but there was a haunting episode in our childhood. It wasn't Halloween. It was actually my dad was on some business trip. This is when we were living in Austin, Texas, and we could, back in the day where you could go like out on the tarmac to greet uh, passengers coming off the plane. And she made us wear these like, I cost, there were these full bag costumes that went over our bodies, um, you know, with different insects or something. And we had to stand there humiliated even underneath our costumes um, <laughs> just to greet my dad at the tarmac. Um, but the worst. How, old, how old were you? Like eighteen? You know, I was like, I just turned twenty-one. Um, <laughs> no, I think I was like seven. Uh, but this, this to your point, uh, I found this beauty. Um, this is my first Halloween with Cindy, where she made me a bumblebee costume, and she was the flower. It was, you know, I don't want you to think about imagery too much. But, um, I was, I was told at the time. <laughs> <laughs> at that party that uh, I was a really good boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, let's go back. Kirby, you got a score for us? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that was my bad. 40 to 3. Jeez. Okay. 40 to 3. What do you have? All right, Vahe, what do you got for a score? Uh, 33 to 7. Okay. Uh, uh, Chiefs, right? Um Chiefs. Actually, I'm sorry. I meant to say I left out half of the three, a 38 to seven. Let's say that. All right. All Thanks right. for writing it down, too. <laughs> oh, it's, it's getting written down. Sam McDowell, is Brennan going to, uh, is he going to have a costume? Yeah, he's, um, he's a lamb. And uh, my wife also got an animal costume. And it's two days before Halloween, and I I, I forgot to, to order my animal costume to, to join it. <laughs> Um, you know, I, the costume thing is interesting because I've often been the only guy at the Halloween party that has not even been in costume. I'm sure that'll surprise the group. Um, but the the past few years, I've I've gone with some group costumes, or, or a few years ago, gone with some group costumes with some friends. Um, most recently, I we were the uh, the Rugrats, uh, the cartoon. Um, since I've got a twin brother, we were Phil and Lil and. Yeah. Um, but of, of course, my my buddy who who wore the Tommy costume with the the half shirt and and the the cloth diaper stole stole the show. So <laughs> that did that did win a trophy for best costume. But what was funny is they had to choose which category we won because some people didn't know quite who we were, and so we won best group costume. But a lot of people just voted for the dude in the diaper. Um, so they had to they had to pick which category we were going to win. Um, I'm almost afraid to ask Melly. Uh, it should be. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how about the young and Sam? Are they uh, what are they going to be this year? Yeah, um, our first grader is going to be a, a blue dragon. 
Um, he, this was his second costume. The first one, he just, he got it and it just wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. It wasn't his vibe. So we ordered him a, a, a blue dragon uh, that he's very pumped up about. And then um, our, our preschooler is a, a King Cobra. He's been obsessed. He, he, like Sam McDowell, you, you will get to know Wild Kratts at some point. Um, this is like a, a kid nature show. And they had one on Cobra, King Cobras. And he's been obsessed with those ever since. So he's going to be a, a King Cobra. For Halloween, he's got the thing down. He's got the whole thing. <laughs> I like uh, that costume. Uh, didn't ask either of you for your scores. Doesn't matter. Um, no, it's whatever the hell Andy Reid wants his score to be is what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to be cute and say something. I'm trying to think of what the old uh, didn't the Chiefs beat beat the Jets in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl that you that was like 13 to six, I think, at Shea Stadium. It's for Super Bowl four, their first playoff win that year. So ain't gonna be that. So. Claire, can I can I jump in and insist that you insist Sam Mellinger tell some story about one of his own costumes? Yes. I don't know if we want to go there. Um, but well, go ahead, Sam. When I was in college, <laughs> I knew it was gonna start. Uh, this probably isn't going the path that maybe you hope it's gonna go, but um my favorite basketball player. When I was growing up, um, I mean, Michael Jordan, but my favorite basketball player other than that was uh, Chris Mullen. Um, and when uh, when I, I got to tell you, when he got put on the dream team, that was a big moment for me. That gave me some credibility around around the school. But um, I decided to go as Chris Mullen. Um, you know, I had the dream team uniform. I had like, you know, the USA basketball, show, like all this. Stuff. And uh, and I gave myself a flat top. And just didn't. I mean, I was like a sophomore in college and it just didn't cross my mind that I'd have Halloween, but then when I woke up in the morning, I'd still have this flat top. I just didn't consider that like at all. And so I woke up the next day and I was like, huh, you know, and that was the first time I got a haircut like this. Uh, then I just shaved the rest of it off, but that was a lack of foresight on my part, but it was a fun night. I bet it was. I, I thought you were going to say your favorite basketball player was Bo Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Tennis player. I actually did uh, dress up as a football player once, but it was, uh, I must've been like six or seven um, before I knew about Bo. And it was uh, Jim McMahon. I was obsessed with like his, uh, the headband, like, right <laughs> stuff on, man. I felt like the king of the world that day. Andrew Leifer wants to know if, uh, no, did anybody ever go as a classic cheerleader one year? Um, Maybe. For, we, haven't heard, <laughs> we haven't heard from you yet, Blair. For Halloween? Uh, uh, no. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. The only one I, I can't remember any. I mean, that as as the uh, as the oldest person of this panel, I can't remember any of the costumes that I wore fifty years ago. Except there's a photograph of me in a Superman costume with a lollipop in each hand. So that's uh, now we're talking. So. You know that was that was like four or five years ago. With uh, you and know. <laughs> you and, and Vahe showed up in the same costume. <laughs> uh, and when Vahe said "Mighty Mouse," I was I was humming the theme song to it. <laughs> <laughs> Dow even know who Mighty Mouse is? I do. Okay. It was a he was a uh, cornerback for the Chiefs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speed of lightning, bolt of thunder, uh, mighty mouse. So, all right, you guys, uh, this was fun. 
uh, glad to do it. We'll be talking uh, to you and to the audience uh, after the Chiefs game on Sunday against the New York Jets. Where? where what's that? So halftime by halftime we should be talking. Ooh, ooh. No, <laughs> no respect here for the New York Jets. All right, guys. Uh, great talking to you. Beth Welsh, thanks for spinning the dials as, uh, as you often well, always, not often, always <laughs> do. <laughs> thanks, Beth. Take care, you guys. See ya. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welch, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to the A-team, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Tiope, Sam Mellinger, and Sam McDowell for Talking Chiefs and the NFL and Halloween. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those who want a deep dive into the star's terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? Well, you go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage in the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. I know that's a lot of dots and dashes, and if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.